Geekish Cast, episode 78. I think I made a garmungous mistake. We'll be right back after this word. Hey, everybody up in Modesto and surrounding California areas. This is Doug Jones, and I'm coming to see you at Modesto Comic Con July 9th and 10th. So come on out to Modesto Comic Con and see me. We'll be doing autographs and photo ops and hanging out, and the hugs are always free, and I love them. So we'll see you there. Welcome back to Geekish Cast. I am your host, Jeremy, and this week I am joined by writer, actor, and live Elvish king, Jack Delaney. How are you doing there, Jack? Good, good. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, Jack, I don't remember how it was that I discovered your show, but you have a web series called Natural 20. Uh, I absolutely do, yeah. Uh, and it is, well, I guess, what would you call it? It is about a misfit group of tabletop gamers and their adventures absolutely yeah our kind of um our kind of log line if you would it would be um yeah a group of D D players who make the worst possible decisions in a game of infinite possibilities that's outstanding yeah yeah that really is and you you've written every episode so you're the writer and the creator and you also play except in one episode the yeah. uh, the dungeon master <laughs> uh yes yes i am uh dm rob yeah um let me ask you this now um I was watching last night. I've, I've gone through it a couple times, and the first time I saw it, I played I played role playing games when I was younger, but it's been years and years, and I was never that great at it or that into it. Mm-hmm. I was afraid the show was going to be a little too inside baseball, and I think you guys actually handle being into the nerdy side of the role playing game, and then just a fun storytelling side for a show as well. Oh well, and that you have no idea how relieving that is to hear, because <laughs> that's mm-hmm. exactly the kind of balance you know we were hoping to go for. Right. Uh, um, so my question to you is, what I, I assume you're a tabletop role playing game player. Uh, yes, you know, in my uh, in my youth and and even today, you know, I've been uh, playing D and D and Pathfinder for years. Okay. And at what point did you just get into writing to you know to write stories? Uh, you know, it's so funny. Um, I mean, I uh, I went to NYU for, for college, mm-hmm. um, and I went to the the film school there at the um, in Tisch, and um, so yeah, I, I knew that kind of um, writing, you know, kind of making film projects uh, was something that I I was very interested in. Um, but actually, I, I kind of have to thank D and D for getting me into writing, um, you know, because when I was in like eighth grade, um, and I was a DM for my friends, you know, suddenly I had four friends coming over. Uh, every weekend and I needed to entertain them for four hours. <laughs> and so I suddenly had these weekly deadlines where I, I had to have something for them to do. Um, so yeah, strangely enough, it felt oddly appropriate to, uh, yeah, work so hard on a, on a write so much for a, a web series uh, about D&D. And so being a dungeon master helped you like write to a schedule and everything like that. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's amazing. That's, uh, yeah. When you really get held to that deadline. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I've even heard in the past where I think it was Vin Diesel got into acting because he was a, uh, a role playing game player. He, famously. Yeah. He definitely yeah. is, uh, is one of the big names. <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, so my question to you is, um, your first two episodes, your cast is a little bit different. Yes, it is. And your hair is definitely different. It is. <laughs> that too. So between Giblet's death mm-hmm. and your, the next episode, yeah. are we supposed to assume time has passed, or is it just supposed to be like the next game session? Ah, um, yeah, no, I think um, time has definitely passed, and if you, you know... Um, Listen, in episode three, we kind of hopefully try to uh, uh, kind of address the change in cast. Um, the uh, the idea that, you know, Donald um, is still in therapy after losing such a beloved NPC. Um, or that an Amber Alert is out for a character whose age and gender we never discuss. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, so no, it's definitely uh, uh, enough later that an Amber Alert has gone out. <laughs> So did did much change between the first two episodes that you did? And I mean, besides just the cast, because your writing seems to be a little bit different and your handling of one of the characters seems to be different as well. Uh, yeah, um, definitely. You know, it was um, it was a pretty significant um, amount of time between filming those first two episodes. Um, the first two that I put together, I was lucky enough to kind of have a small um, group, two wonderful producers and, you know, this director on board who are all really into the material. Um, but I funded those first two episodes myself. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, we were lucky enough to kind of go through production, which took forever and then, um, do an Indiegogo campaign and then, you know, get the escapist to kind of come on board. Um, so yeah, it just, I think just the amount of time, um, between, those first two episodes and the next ones, the change in cast, location, I think the writing, I would bet that my writing has improved. Um, yeah, it, it can feel a little bit like like two different shows at times. Well, I wouldn't even say two different shows, but it, it seems like your focus. Um, I'm going to have trouble with your character's oh, names fine. on the show. So there's you that's DM oh, Rob. Yeah. There is one of my favorite. What I think is really the, the funny ha-ha person is Garmongus. Yeah. Like every... <laughs> Every episode, yeah. that character kills okay. me. And there's Garen, yep. Tyrell, and is it Alara? Alara, uh, yep. yep. Alara. Uh, she, <laughs> I was expecting her to be sexually harassed a lot more than ends up happening based off the first two episodes <laughs> than seems to happen after the third and on. Not that it's gone completely. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, you know, something I really was so interested in doing was kind of um, hopefully playing around with that that horrible stereotype Um Mm-hmm. you know, that, that nerds, it's like when they see a girl, they're all immediately in love with her. So one of the big moments I had in that, that first pilot episode that I wrote um, was going to try to be, oh, everyone's in love with her, but the second she says she played fourth edition, they lose all interest. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know if that really, you know, came across. I know the first two are a little rougher. Um, but yeah, that was something I, I definitely was very, uh, very interested in, in addressing, making a joke out of, and then kind of moving on from there. Okay. So that was absolutely intentional. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and again, not that it goes away completely because there's still, you know, a hand on the shoulder here and there that's kind of, okay, get, take your hand yeah, off. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. She doesn't like to be touched. Garmungus is Garmungus. Um, so yeah, that's always kind of a, a fun joke to bring up. Um, so let me ask you about uh, when you got the idea to start this. I mean, so you started, you self-funded, wrote the two episodes. How hard was it for you to get the eyeballs on it, get people involved to get more made? Because you said, like, the escapists came on to help you out. You want to, just for people who are listening who might be kicking around a similar, like, 
trying to start a web series, kind of outline real briefly what you did to get it off the ground. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, um, I've been writing a ton of short films and, you know, I was working on some feature scripts, but I, I was kind of getting frustrated um, that I make these short films and then you would try, you get them into the really, really small kind of festival circuit. And um, it just felt like I was writing a lot of stuff that really wasn't getting out there. Mm-hmm. So one of the most important things uh, you can do is is kind of with web content is kind of um, play to your strengths when it comes to a premise. So I felt like um, I felt like I had a decent grasp, <laughs> hopefully, of, of comedic writing. And I felt like I, I do have an in-depth knowledge of role playing games and how they're played. And so and I knew that if I wanted to pitch something, um, if this was successful down the line, the idea of. A, a series where you could have almost an infinite number of episodes all in one room um, would, would really appeal to people. And that really cuts down on your costs. Um, and so I, you know, part of it is, is my love for these characters and I love comedy and I love D and D. And the other part is there's very much kind of a practical planning that needs to go into it. Um, so for anyone who's interested in, in doing indie projects, whether it's short films or, or web series, um, I think they'll they'll quickly learn, um, much like I did, that uh, even if you think you're writing in your means, um, that can be a lot easier said than done. Yeah, well, that, that was one of the things. I don't know if you're a Star Trek fan at all, but um, Harlan Ellison wrote an episode back in the '60s, okay. and they keep handing it. They hand it back to him like it's the, the budget's too high. You've got fifty thousand screaming people, and you go oh, okay, <laughs> and you go five thousand screaming people. Oh, you're just not. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, precisely. Yeah, no, exactly. So, um, now as far as finding an audience, do you know what kind of person is watching? Do you have a sense? Is it a lot of gamers is, I mean, do you have an idea at all? Um, you know, it's kind of, um, it's kind of amazing how, how it's, it's been passed around. I think we're, we're still kind of, um, even though we're on, I think our 11 episodes are out now and we've got 15 that we've made and are going to come out. Um, yeah, the um, I don't know. It's interesting. There seems to kind of be two sides to it. One is um, people who are gamers who kind of get every single joke, no matter what it is. Um, and then there seems to be another side where there are people who they sometimes don't get the gaming jokes, but um, they're surprisingly enthusiastic. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, about the comedy. And so that kind of gives me hope that I'm kind of successfully straddling both sides. Yeah, I mean, I definitely find it funny. My wife has watched most of the episodes with me twice now. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, and and she she's kind of my sounding board because, like, you know, like you're saying, sometimes it'll be funny because you kind of get the nerd joke side of yeah, it. Yeah. But does the person next to you think it's funny too? Exactly. You know? Yeah. And so I like to have her watch stuff like this with me, and she finds you guys to be quite funny. Now, your first two episodes, she said she was real nervous because, like myself, I thought it was going to be too inside baseball. Mm-hmm. But by your third, she was on board. Yeah, yeah, and I think between yeah the first two and um, and the next ones, yeah, I definitely there was a, a period of realignment. Um, and even with uh, in terms of plot, you know, it's so um, in the beginning, I think uh, I was kind of thinking that a lot of the jokes and a lot of the conflict would all happen in game. Um, and then I kind of realized how restrictive that was in terms of audience. And so, you know, by the third, it's like, okay, they need a player. They recruit the roommate. Like, it's, you know, it's something that that doesn't happen in-game, but it's something the gamers can still relate to. But also, you know, normal people can understand that as well. 
right? Yeah. Yeah. And that that episode, I, I hope I don't spoil anything for anybody, yeah. but that episode where DM Rob's roommate does his big his big speech, yeah. <laughs> and and he gets everybody on board, and then somebody else looks at the dice and goes, "Dude, he rolled a nine. Yeah, and oh, never mind, you shit can the whole thing. That <laughs> I could have peed laughing. Over okay, because <laughs> so because the 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 actor yeah. and and the writing. Were so like the actor was so earnest in the speech. Oh yeah, no, I, and just yeah, everything about it was fantastic. Oh great, well, thank you so much. No, I really, um, yeah, I knew I needed to give him the the largest scale kind of speech, <laughs> and his kind of speech about how all faiths are similar, <laughs> mm-hmm. and the human soul, and then kind of have an arbitrary rule to cut that down. Yeah, it was really it was delightful to write, and then wonderful to see um, Alex Salem, the actor. He is. Uh, uh, Great sense of timing. I thought he did a wonderful job with it. Yeah. So as far as your writing side goes, is there a character that is especially precious to you that you really just love writing for? Oh, wow. Um, I, I know that's not an easy question. Yeah, no, of course. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, there definitely is. I. Uh, it's interesting. I... Um, I, I got to say, it, it's a little unfair because I play him, but I, I kind of like <laughs> DM Rob um, because he kind of, he, out of everyone, he kind of, especially in the episodes that are actually being released right now, he kind of has a miniature emotional arc uh, that was a lot of fun to, to write and to work out with kind of the producers and director. And um, uh, yeah, where it's like he really is traumatized because he is so just like, He's like tinfoil. He's so easy to crush. <laughs> and um, yeah, and so having him kind of go through this arc where he uh, regains his confidence, you know, to a certain extent, uh, that was a lot of fun to write. Um, uh, yeah, and no, it's actually interesting between the first two episodes and then because our cast changed up, um, just because it was a year later and these people are working actors, you know, and they, they sure. can't, yeah, commit the time. Um it was interesting how the kind of roles of each character changed or absorbed other ones. And suddenly I was kind of dealing with another group dynamic. Um, so that was, that was kind of a boon actually. I kind of got to, to hit reset at a, at a certain point. As far as your last couple episodes there, I discovered this morning that I watched them out of order gotcha. uh, through my, through my own YouTube ineptitude. No. <laughs> um, but there was, there is definitely, I think in the last three episodes, um, and you see it again, there's an episode where DM Rob is sick, where I think you get a sense of his character yeah. or start to, but definitely in the pillow fort adventure, which <laughs> is the last episode and role perception. Yeah. You, Really, really get a sense of DM Rob. Matter of fact, and everybody's going to have to forgive my language here. When I first saw Roll Perception, <laughs> I stopped and went, "What the fuck did I just see?" I got to, I got to go back to the beginning of this one and do that it's again. It's so interesting how uh, yeah. you can write something on the page and it turns just like David Lynch so quickly. <laughs> yeah. Next thing you know, it's... you're in the editing room and you're like, "All right, let's uh, let's put this together." <laughs> So well, so writing that one and putting it onto the screen, um, did it come out the way you thought it would? Um, you know, one of the the wonderful things about um, any kind of fun project um, is that you know, as the writer, I, I have a lot of creative control. But then at a certain point, you know, it's so collaborative, um, mm. and uh, and I love both sides of it. And um, through collaboration, I mean, Natural Twenty is is head and shoulders above where it would be if I just you know, it was like directing every episode too. Um, 
I work with some fantastic people. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I wrote role perception, um, uh, because I, I thought it'd be fun to kind of, um, I had this idea for like a helmet cam rig. So like everything would be from everyone's point of view and you would kind of be seeing it like through everyone's eyes. And then, um, yeah, the director, um, our director, Dom, he, uh, yeah, he kind of was like, oh, well, I, I think we would kind of see, I think it would be, I don't know, better to go more kind of strange Lynchian um, in terms of being able to really show you how these people perceive things. Like I know with Tyrell's point of view, um, it's just so black and white and so flat and he's so unable to read any kind of facial expressions, um, which is easier to see if, you know, you're not doing this kind of whole point of view thing. Um, so I guess it's a very long winded way of saying, um, that, uh, uh, you know, at a certain point with people in a room, um, I don't know, you kind of have to get excited about writing it. And for me, I suddenly was like, oh, I kind of, I have a budget to make a short film. You know, this is like a short film, you know, every weekend that we get Mm -hmm. to make. Um, and so for me, yeah, I thought it'd be fun to explore their internal worlds. And, uh, you know, that's again, <laughs> it, uh, can be a little off putting maybe when everyone's speaking in rhyme, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I went for it and, uh, no, I thought it, I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't want to say it was bad in any way. It was just a very, a very big departure from the rest of your episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and- yeah. And which I think I, that takes some balls to suddenly go like, hey, by the way, this is going to be the David Lynch episode. I, I got to credit the escapist. They they never once have pushed back from anything that we've submitted to them. Um, so uh, credit where it's due. They've been, uh, yeah, very, um, very understanding. And, and, you know, there's there's always, I think, kind of an impulse to, like, want to push the envelope of what you're capable of. Um, and, uh, and yeah, break tradition. And so it's like, you got role perception, but then you immediately have, um, the pajama party, which is, you know, kind of really conventional. Um, so I thought it'd be a a decent pairing in terms of order episode, maybe make it go down a little easier. Yeah. Um, so now the escapist, are they, they're basically your publisher for these episodes then, right? Yeah. Publisher. Yep. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it publishes. Yeah. On the escapist, but also, um, on, uh, YouTube as well. Okay. Um, do you have, I mean, can you give us their address real quick? Um, escapistmagazine.com. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you just search Natural 20 Escapist, you know, it'll be the first thing that comes up. Um, and in terms of, you know, episode order, um, it can be easier, I think, to, to view it on the Escapist website at times just um, because they, they, may, they have a really nice, like, next episode, previous episode, kind of a whole little interface uh, to go with the show. Right, because I did run into an issue both times I tried to watch it on YouTube. Gotcha. Where you know, and like you know, two three episodes ago in a row, row uh, in a row, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden I'm back at episode one because it had <laughs> to jump from one person sharing it. You know, I may go from the Escapist oh, gotcha. uh, YouTube page to somebody else that shared mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and now it wraps back around. So I did have a little trouble there. Um, uh, well, um, well, no, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that, and. Uh, <laughs> Well, now I've got your link, so we'll definitely share that. Let's talk about your character okay. since we were just kind of talking yeah. about um, the, the direction. The episode that we were just talking about, which was role perception, yeah. you do see you see the group through each other's eyes, basically, as it goes. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, since you have been in every episode as DM Rob, let's take you as a central character Thanks. and then go out from there. Um, give us a, a quick description of DM Rob. Um, DM Rob um, is... Uh, <laughs> uh, DM Rob at times can be kind of a tragic figure. Um, he is... Um, He's the dungeon master, um, but he's kind of um, perpetually underprepared. Um, he's terrible at thinking on his feet, um, but I think he's he's very uh, he's very earnest, and uh, and he, he really does care that people uh, are enjoying the experience that he's giving them. Um, and for another episode, Pillow Fort Adventures, you know that's kind of uh, that's kind of a big part of that. Um, yeah, it's him feeling like people are, are having a good time. Um, that being said, you know, as in other episodes, um, <laughs> he can get pushed too far, uh, and, and get rather angry when he feels like that isn't being reciprocated. Uh, I, I do find it funny how you've used his notebook yeah. <laughs> as a great visual cue for what's going on with him at the moment. Uh, yeah, no, it really is kind of, um, like his mind projected on paper and weirdly enough, that's actually my notebook in real life. So all the other notes in that are usually notes about natural 20. <laughs> that's great stuff. Um, early. Okay. So that's DM Rob. Yeah. So your first episode is called the Lars arrival. Yeah. Um, you know, when writing, um, this and, and really, I think if we, if we pick, um, I don't know. I don't know if there's a, a good kind of main protagonist, but um, because it kind of turns into a bit of an ensemble piece. But but yeah, Alara's arrival. She definitely is like the vehicle with which the audience, you know, kind of comes into the setting. Let me let me see if I can phrase this properly. Okay. <laughs> the way we meet the characters is through their characters. We yeah. know their we know their characters' names, and we know their characters. The it's kind of a weird reverse version of a role playing game in that the flesh person sitting on the couch is just the flesh avatar <laughs> for the character in the game. Yeah, no, uh, that was a decision. Yeah, I made um, very early on, right, like right away when I was first writing these, is that uh, in the scripts, um, in the show, I wanted everyone to refer to each other kind of by their. Um, via their character names, um, even when they're acting kind of outside of the game. Um, and uh, know the director and, and I and all the actors um, kind of to help them act and, and get into character and kind of be on these two levels of who they are as, you know, flesh people and then who they're playing in the game. Um, we gave them all real-world names, but uh, it's kind of my hope that those are, you know... Uh, those are never revealed uh, to the just audience. Stay, just stay on paper. Yeah. So uh, why don't you tell us just a, a real quick, so Alara's kind of our viewpoint character coming in, mm -hmm. but give us a little idea about her character in general. Alara's great. Um, she, um, no, she uh, really is, is, is kind of a good straight man um, at first. And then her, her role, I think, definitely um, kind of uh, naturally evolves from there. Um, to almost an antagonist to DM Rob um, near the end. But but when she first comes in, uh, she sees this group and she kind of comes across it and it's total anarchy. Like they can't work together at all. I mean, um, when she comes in and Tyrell is like throwing pretzels in the air and Donald's freaking out, you know, about like the guards and how racist they are about halflings. <laughs> and, uh, and you've got, you know, um, 
I guess, Grizzed or a Juan Snow, you know, like this person who just has every, you know, game, a new character that's an obvious fantasy, you know, ripoff. Um, which I feel like we all, anyone who played when they were younger, uh, went through that. I definitely made my own Drizzt clones. <laughs> uh, when Alara comes in, says something about how the halfling should have shaved himself because we all know the Baron is a pedophile. Yeah. My wife elbowed me in the ribs and she said, is he talking about Baron Harkonnen? Are you a Dune fan by any <laughs> chance? <laughs> you know what? It's, uh, I really, yes, I am actually. I am a okay. Dune fan. <laughs> But was that subconscious or was that kind of in your No, it's, it's like, fun to sprinkle in tiny references, um, but it's it's so funny because you don't really expect anyone to, to pick up on that. Um, I cannot tell you how much uh, it, it makes me smile <laughs> to hear uh, that, that someone picked up on that. That sounds like the first time. That's really impressive. Well, that's the first time you've had somebody bring that up? or Yeah, to me. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, hilarious. Absolutely. Okay. That's fantastic. So that kind of covers Alara. And then you said, like, you have Grizz and Juan Snow. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so no, so Alara, yeah, when she first comes in, um, I mean, she really is the anchor of the group. Um, and because of that, usually I, I didn't want to fall also into another stereotype, but instead of on the geeky side, on the sitcom side of having um, these crazy people and then the one girl in the group is like, oh, come on, guys, you know? Um, which um, I know early on, like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. They kind of had that problem, um, and so uh, so it's fun to have Alara kind of be like the long-suffering kind of logical person um, that's trying to bring them back around. But by the end, she's she's great. She's putting a lot of pressure on DM Rob. She can't stand his ineptitude, um, and so <laughs> that was great. And it was kind of fun to see her uh, like annoyed uh, kind of dark side with DM Rob. Um, so yeah, no, Alara is, is definitely someone, uh, who's very necessary and I, I really enjoy writing. That's outstanding. So then, um, I, I just want to kind of hit the two characters sure. that leave at the end of the two. So you have right. the, I, I'm going to go with Juan Snow because sure. that's the name that made me laugh. Oh, good. Most of it. <laughs> so this, this character was written to be, um, what would we, we don't know if we're talking with a young boy or a young girl. Yeah, girl. I, I wanted uh, the gender to be an absolute mystery. Right. Huh. And I see, I assumed female, but the whole time you are looking at the character, going, "I'm, you know, no, maybe not. I'm, I'm, I'm out in the snow. Yes, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> out in the Juan Snow. Out in the Juan there we Snow go. with fan, with Phantasma, nonetheless. Yeah, Phantasma, exactly. And so there was also Donal. He he left as well, right? Yes, yes, Donal, um, played by uh, Brad Gage. He's fantastic. Uh, yeah, Donal. He um, yeah tried to dress him like a kind of like a midwestern like manager of a grocery store. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was the kind of person who um, who role plays uh, and is there because he's so into character. Um, and so, yeah, he was supposed to be, uh, kind of a good representative of, um, someone who makes frustratingly bad decisions, um, you know, in the game, um, that would drive someone like Tyrell, you know, up the wall. Uh, but, right. uh, for him, it's, yeah, it's all about character. Okay. Well, which will bring us to Tyrell. Of course. Tyrell is a character that I, I can't take my eyes off of because I'm like, you are just off your fucking locker, aren't you? <laughs> he, he really is. Um, yeah, no, actually, one of my favorite episodes to write was uh, Honor Among Goblins, uh, when he mm. usurps the throne, so to speak. 
Um, that is so funny. Yeah, and seeing how much he tries to railroad everyone, which is so in his uh, is exactly how he would try to run a game. Um, yeah, he's he's totally the numbers guy. Uh, he's the one who keeps a treasure ledger um, to try and you know like evenly distribute you know magical things. Um, he's probably that person as a DM, you always kind of loathe, um, to a certain extent, the player that calls you out on rules that is like, but wait, there's a higher power. It's this book. <laughs> and right. uh, so yeah. for me as a DM, yeah, it's definitely, uh, um, uh, a type of person that I'm very familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, like I said, I did play, play when I was yeah. younger and I, did, I used to call them the rules, races, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Exactly. Now, which you you have another in, instance of coming in episode three, but before we get there, can we talk about giblets for Please. a second? I think giblets might be the greatest thing I've ever seen on screen <laughs> in my life. I just like how you go through all the steps of like when you first say the name, everybody kind of looks at you like, "What the hell are you mm-hmm. talking about?" And then by the end, everybody's in tears with with what has happened to Jim. Yeah, no, um, and you know what? That's definitely one of the, uh, an episode that um, was one of my first ideas for the show, and it's one of the truest ones, I think, to my experience uh, playing D&D, because I, I've primarily been a dungeon master. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, is that a lot of times um, when people kind of go off track or when you don't have something prepared, and then usually those moments where you're thinking on your feet, sometimes hilariously badly, as of course DM Rob does, um, those characters that you make together or those moments that you have are actually the ones that stick with the players the most. Uh, yeah. I, I just, to me, that's great. And I think it's the next two or two episodes after that giblet still comes. Oh yeah. Out. Cause it's like, uh, <laughs> Elora's yeah. In game, you know, is, is married to him and they have children and, <laughs> Very uh, touching. Well, and it's what is it, Giblets Junior and Giblets Junior? Yes, yes, the... and that was uh, that was extremely hard to film. Um, saying those two very stupid names, it took me probably uh, about ten takes to get that out. Uh, so, but then you go into the third episode, which introduces two new characters. It does, yeah. Uh, so the first, so the first character uh, that's introduced, um, we come back, and uh, yeah, you find out, of course, that that Donald. Um, and uh, Juan Snow um, are yeah are no longer in the group, um, and so suddenly they're short, you know they're short a player, and you find that uh, DM Rob has a roommate, uh, so they kind of uh, recruit him, and he's kind of this guy who's game for anything, um, and he he doesn't at all understand how the game works, and he's Garen is so much uh, a kind of free spirit. Um, yeah, where he's just drinking right out of the blender, you know, he's kind of got a Lebowski well, vibe. And he also wonders if it's a sex thing. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah but that, it also doesn't seem to trouble him. So no, no, he's just like, like, oh, this is the cool. sex thing. And it's like, it's not, it's not a sex thing at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, but then at the end, it's like, no, he really, he's like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. I'm, I'm making a diplomacy check. So he like he also is very willing to kind of dive head first, um, and that's kind of where that speech comes from. Well, also his Garen's the actor that plays him, and I don't know if it's the direction or who mm. did it, but the flopping over the bowl of M and M, and everything about what he does, I could see somebody trying to you know get the in an actual almost fight situation. <laughs> 
start acting like this in such a way like, okay, everybody watch me now because I'm either going to talk us out of this or we're all going to die. Yeah, Yeah, no, he, um, uh, yeah, no, that was, that was an event. Um, You know, I wanted to have a situation where it looks like he's not really that invested. Um, And so Mm -hmm. he's like, oh, what are these numbers on the paper? And he's playing with stuff on the table. And yeah, he's, he's flipping over the bowl as though that somehow would play into the game. <laughs> like he has no clue how right. this works. Um, and then of course, yeah, he turns out to be, uh, hopefully, you know, kind of comically eloquent. I, I certainly okay. think so. I think, well, I think all of your characters ring true, mm-hmm. Well, but I think your two characters that are introduced here yeah. are, are two of my favorites. Oh, wonderful. Well, that's, that's great to hear. Uh, Cause we, we always yeah. felt like um, both um, Juan Snow, you know, and Donald, it was, it was a real shame that they couldn't come back. Oh yeah, and I don't. I, I have to say that I don't want to take away from. No, them, of course not. But I find the Garen and Garmongus so damn okay. funny on so many levels <laughs> that um, I, I, you know, once they're in, I'm, I'm sold. 100%. Okay. <laughs> Let me ask you real quick, as we're kind of going over your characters oh, here, what elements of Juan Snow and Donal kind of got put back through the blender and spread back over other people? I mean, do you want to talk about how you kind of redistributed characters over, you know, the I mean, it's, it would be a dream to talk about. <laughs> uh, sure. No, it, it's actually just being on this kind of podcast talking to you. It's so funny because it's like you spend, I've probably written about probably 200 pages of um, natural 20 scripts, you know, overall with all the drafts and everything. Um, so it's so sure. funny that you spend so much time alone, or I do, you know, alone in a room kind of coming up with character and stuff, uh, and then to be able to talk about it is fantastic. Um, so, yeah, you know, with Donald, um, when you're kind of writing uh, comedy that you hope is going to be long running, um, you know, it's true that a lot of um, a lot of comedy, like a lot of drama, uh, it comes from conflict. Usually that's that's where it's rooted. And so whenever you're writing a sitcom, um, or, you know, obviously a situational comedy that's, uh, um, you want to have personalities that aren't difficult to have clash. Um, that's kind of like a, a baseline rule. Um, and if you look at, you know, any kind of good comedy, um, show that's long running, you, you kind of get that, uh, you get, Oh, the, the, you know, Leslie Nope, who's really bubbly and excited about her job and her boss, Ron Swanson, who's like this libertarian and hates the government. You know, like it's it's great because you can have so many interactions through that. And so um, for Donald, you know, having someone who was going to be so into the game and so into character and take slights to his character so personally, um, that's something that, um, yeah, I kind of, you know, you, you don't want to lose that because I feel like that's very rich territory. Um, so kind of with the new characters, um, that became something to merge with with other people. And I feel like, um, you know, I feel like at times, uh, probably Tyrell was the character who really started to observe that. I think before it, he was, he was so about the numbers and so mechanical and Mm -hmm. he definitely is, but he, you also get to see him freak out on a pretty consistent basis. (laughs) And, um, and, you know, I think before that really was like a lot of Donald territory. And so, um, being able to give that to Tyrell, um, I don't know. For me, it definitely uh, it definitely changed Tyrell and definitely made it a little easier for me to write for him. Um, for uh, for Juan Snow, I think um, 
uh, yeah, I wanted to have, uh, you know, uh, someone who part of the character definitely got absorbed uh, by Garen, someone who is unfamiliar with the game. Um, yeah, who, who just kind of isn't that good at it or seems almost willingly to be making uh, these bad choices. Like he'll be a paladin, but he'll have no charisma or something. Um, because he's, you know, he's Garen or it's Juan Snow and, you know, she, she, he only cares about dexterity. (laughs) Um, and so part of that went to Garen and then the, you know, a a big part of the character and the quirkiness definitely went to Garmongus. Right. And now that we're at Garmongus, um, you created a character that is a eight foot wall of muscle that can't open a door. and. I think the, the actress that plays that character and just the everything around it is so funny because she goes through a pacifist. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, like it, it talks like it, like, well, it's a troll character. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. Talks like the character's stupid, but then it turns out now it's got constitution and intelligence and those are the only two steps. Exactly. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, yeah. No, Garmungus, uh Garmungus is a joy. I think the wild card is always a joy and is a kind of flexibility to a character um, that that really can help you out when you're, you know, writing the episodes. Um, and Erica Ishii, who, who plays Garmungus, um, yeah, she was, it was a huge gift to the show. I, I adore having her on. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, um, Garmungus, yeah, Garmungus, it's like, whereas Garen might be someone who doesn't understand the game, but is very much going to make his own choices, um, even if they're extremely ill-informed. Um, Garmungus is the one who's willingly making, um, <laughs> who's like made the perfect character in the past and that no longer interests her. Um, and so, yeah, so now she's kind of, she loves, she's very mischievous. She loves throwing a wrench in whatever's going on. Um, and Garmungus is, is a literal troll is literally trolling the game. <laughs> That's what I love yeah. so much about it. I, I wasn't sure that that was the yeah. joke. I, I mean, you do use it as a pun in one of the titles, yeah. but even then I still wasn't sure that that's what you were yeah. for. Yeah. And you have the whole ep- that whole episode, and I believe it's the one where it's uh, Tyrell is the game master, mm-hmm. and you get to the end, okay, well, I'll kill that person now. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> That is so funny that that's how that that, that resolution comes. Yeah, from. no, that a that a lawful good goblin uh, would follow goblin law to the letter. Yeah. Um, in in you know, and all the horrifying consequences <laughs> of of doing that. That is outstanding. Okay. Uh, hey, Jack, let's um, let's talk about you and your background and kind of what your influences were to do this. I mean, you said you were writing short mm-hmm. films, but what? Who were some of your favorite writers or what were some of your favorite shows or movies that really sparked your imagination and got you going in this direction? Gotcha. Um, you know, while I was at um, NYU, I kind of gravitated towards um, television writing. Um, I wasn't mm-hmm. in the dramatic writing department, but because I was, you know, in uh, Tisch, I could I could take these kind of classes. And so I started taking these sitcom writing classes um, and, uh, you know, developing spec scripts and everything. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and so I felt like I kind of had a very, uh, formalist education when it came to sitcom writing. Um, you know, as far as shows, I feel really lucky because I think in, you know, in high school, um, 
you really had like kind of the, the beginning of what I guess people are, are hailing as kind of this new golden age of television. Um, so kind of there was a, a dearth of um, fantastic television to watch. Um, and in terms of comedies, um, you know, obviously The Office uh, was something I adored. And you can actually kind of see a lot of parallels. Um, it all takes place in an office. You know, you have that one location pretty much. Um, you have these, these huge, these big personalities that are kind of constantly bumping into each other. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I think, uh, community was probably a big wake up call. Um, I got into community once, uh, I was in college and, um, yeah, it really, um, it kind of opened my eyes because I had felt like, you know, and obviously, I mean, yeah, I assume you, you're feeling this as well with your podcast is that now more than ever kind of, you know, um, geek culture is kind of being, uh, kind of pushed into the mainstream in a big way. Well, that's actually come up a few times as a talk yeah, on the show. I'd imagine. Like, you know, like, look, I used to get my ass kicked for liking this right. stuff, you know, when I was a scrawny kid. Yeah. And, you know, I played violin, and I liked Star mm-hmm. Wars, and I used to get beat up. And now you bunch of jackasses used to beat me up or stand in the line. Of course, you know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, they can't wait for Game of Thrones, you know. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, me too, in high school, um, I uh, I ran a huge campaign um, that I that I wrote uh, all throughout high school with some friends, and no one knew that I did it. I was an absolutely, like, closeted um, no one knew that I like read R.A. Salvatore to D&D or anything like that, um, right. you know, or, or Dune or Game of Thrones. Um, so, yeah, no, it is it is kind of shocking. And I think community kind of was um, was a wake up call, one, because a lot of it is these people around a table. Um, two, they had a fantastic D&D episode, uh, which I remember really, really liking, um, I think, in the second season. Um and, uh, you know, more and more, as I kind of looked around, I realized that I, I felt like there were these different um, scripted properties that were dealing with uh, things similar to D&D. So a good example would be uh, The League on FX, um, dealing with fantasy football. You know, it's not something that you can really see performed but it's like about this kind of niche activity. And so as time goes on, and even as we've made this, I feel like there's this kind of ever widening hole where like a scripted D and D series really hasn't been done. And I felt like it was something, you know, within my reach and ability to write. And so, um, yeah, I thought I would, um, I would go for it. And uh, yeah, to my kind of surprise, it just, uh, snowballed into us kind of getting this, uh, this order for a season. The one thing I would want to hit, and I'm going to ask you this in the form of a double-stacked question, is it a fair or unfair comparison to even bring up um, the Guild Mm -hmm. when talking about your show? Yeah, you know, sorry, what was your... I was going to say, because they're they're similar in ways, Mm -hmm. and they're dissimilar in others, but I'll tell you what, my wife watched the Guild, Mm -hmm. and that's what kind of prepared her headspace to wrap her head around your show. Um, interesting. I like the idea that the, the guild is kind of a gateway drug. <laughs> um, um, no, it, um, yeah, the guild, you know, the guild is, um, is fascinating. I've seen it. I haven't watched uh, anywhere close to all of it, but I, I definitely am yeah, familiar with it. The guild is good. You know, I, I don't want to, um, 
kind of analyze no, it and, too much just because I, you know, I'm, I'm not totally familiar with it. I feel like to be unfair, but, right. but I think, uh, you're right that it kind of was at the forefront of, um, kind of, yeah, web content that's dealing with, um, a community that's, that's very internet savvy. Um, and, and yeah, that was also actually another appeal, um, of, of writing natural 20 is, is if you're going to write a web series, why not do it for people? Um, that are very, you know, internet literate. Well, yeah, I, I think these days you'd kind of have yeah. to. Um, well, you can't you can't treat the audience as dumb as we were treated for a long time anymore. You just oh, you can't do it. No, no, absolutely not. No, even even now, um, no, it's so fascinating mm-hmm. to me how self aware shows have become, um, because everyone is is so literate now. Um, with, um, yeah, with any kind of, um, you know, like sitcom or like, you know, um, content, whether that be television or, or stuff on the web. Um, have you seen a lady dynamite on, on Netflix at all? I have not, but I've seen the name come up a few times. Yeah. People are, are really crazy about it. And, um, I just watched the pilot. I haven't really gotten into it, but it is, it is so incredibly self-aware, um, so much so that it, it one of the like B plots is that it keeps calling attention to the fact that this is a filmed show. That's yeah. And putting like, like, Oh, there's like, like some of their plot points are outside of the world that they just spent 20 minutes trying to build for you. So it's like, um, yeah. So like Patton Oswald is like, are you going to do stand up in your show? You can't do that. The audience, they're smarter than that, you know? And so it's like, he keeps breaking character to tell her to stop. And, uh, so yeah, no, you definitely cannot treat the audience, um, like we, you know, like you used to be able to. Right. Well, it's, you know, and I don't know if, like I said before, I don't know if you're a Star Trek fan, but back in the nineties during Star Trek's explosion, yeah. every show had to have a different uniform because the producers all went, well, people won't know what they're watching. <laughs> if you, it's just, oh yeah, I forgot we're all brain trauma victims. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And, yeah, it's just amazing to me how, well, you know, sometimes I guess you have to write to the lowest intelligence point you can think of, I guess. But, wow, just what a terrible view of humanity you have to hold to do that. Yeah, right? That's really, um, yeah, it's definitely very painful when (laughs) you're writing something, (laughs) yeah, and someone uh, is like, oh, yeah, what if you just made it worse so maybe more people saw it? And it's like, ah, okay. Can you dumb it down just a yeah, little bit yeah. more? You know how you talk about numbers? Don't talk about numbers, people. Exactly. No one likes numbers. No, not at all. <laughs> so, Jack, do you have a favorite fantasy or sci-fi series that you like, that you read as a novel series? Oh, God. Um, let me think. You know, I mean, I, I read kind of all the classics when uh, when I was a kid. Um, uh, yeah, I had an older brother who was very into Lord of the Rings or the Chronicles of Narnia. Um uh, the Drizzy Warden series, kind of R.A. Salvatore. Um, I was into that. Um, you know, something I I got into in high school, and I'm kind of still, um, probably to an unhealthy degree, obsessed with is actually a, a Song of Ice and Fire. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so is ninety percent of America. I know, I know, right? But um, I don't know. I take it. I think I I even like the parts of of like the two most recent books that other people don't. I think George R. R. Martin, um, I think he's a fantastic writer. And I think that people know it, 
but they they don't they don't really get it <laughs> at a certain point. Um, and I think when you feel like that, it just kind of um, is a, is a giant neon sign saying like what a big fan you are. <laughs> well, you know what I've noticed, and you can tell me more than than I can because you actually handle fiction, and that's what this okay. deal was specifically. Yeah. It seems to me like the viewing public, the reading public, feel like they should have a voice in every artistic thing, you know, comic books, movies. It, it's like I see where people are like, if they don't like the book or something that happens mm-hmm. in it, and they just come unglued and shit on it everywhere they have a chance <laughs> to do it and act like somebody owes them a fixed version of everything that is released. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Um, and I think that, I think that it's kind of a, a second side of um, this new coin that we have. And on the one side, I feel like people now more than ever are more willing to organize and more willing to um, become so deeply invested in a property um, that you can't help at times when you're putting all this energy into it um, to feel like, you know, quote unquote, betrayed by it. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. sure that, um, you know, like the, the creators kind of have a point when it's like, hey, man, I, I made this. This is how it is. All right, Jack. Well, we're running up on time here. Uh, so the name of the show is Natural 20. Where can people find it at? Uh, Natural 20. Uh, yes, you can find Natural 20 uh, on YouTube. If you just search for Natural 20, the channel will come right up. Or you can go to uh, escapistmagazine.com. If you search Natural 20 and Escapist. Uh, yeah, the episodes are up there um, every other week on uh, Thursdays. Is the release schedule every other week on yes, Thursdays? Yes, it is. How many episodes are you going to put out from now until when you stop this gotcha. year? Gotcha. Um, so our uh, 11th uh, is up to – so 11 episodes are out right now. And uh, we've uh, made 15 in kind of this first season. Um, okay. So, yes, we've got we've got four more episodes to release. So, yeah, this coming Thursday, feel free to tune in. Excellent. Well, we will definitely uh, put that up and hopefully, you know, help people find you there. Um, And, you know, like if there's ever something you want to come on and talk about or maybe next year when you have a new season ready to start, if you want to come back, let me know. I'd love to have you back on. It has been an absolute pleasure. And uh, I'm still jealous of your voice. Your listeners, uh, they're they're in for a real treat. It's fantastic. (laughs) Well, I blush, but you know, thank yeah. you, thank you, I appreciate it. Well, and thank you for taking the time to do this. You know, um, I I don't remember how I first found out about mm-hmm. you guys, but after I reached out to you and you said you were coming on, I was pretty excited. Um, I do watch a lot of of little niche programming. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite TV show is actually kind of an obscure Canadian TV oh, yeah? show. Oh yeah, it was called Corner Gas. It actually stopped in two thousand nine. So I watch a lot of small, you know, smaller than American yeah. shows or stuff like you're doing here. Um, so I, I really like finding stuff like this. So, you know, thank you for doing it. First off, thank you for sharing it. Uh, you know, and it's I just a really great show. Oh, well, uh, so. well, I can't thank you enough. This was such a pleasure. Uh, and until then, you can find us at geekishcast.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekishcast. And I tweet from at the geekishcast. So long, everybody. <laughs>